Good morning. Welcome to worship. I am so glad that you're here with us today. Hear these words from Psalm 95, verses 1 through 3 and 6 through 7. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock in his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. Will you pray with me? May our hearts be open to worship this morning. Help us to release our problems and concerns to you, to be free to hear your word. Strengthen us with confidence, courage, and love. May we always remember to sing our psalms of thanksgiving for the grace and salvation you give us. Amen. If you are um, comfortable in doing so, will you please stand and sing, Oh, Worship the King with us. You may be seated. 
I'd like to thank you again for coming and being here this morning. I know Pastor Rod is over at um, the other campus in DeWitt because it's graduation Sunday and he wanted to be there. And he needed to be there with all of those wonderful students that he's seen through the years. Um, I wanted to ask you a question. Have you ever received a letter from someone you've never met? Now, I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about a chain letter, and I'm not talking about any of those lovely uh, junk mail things that we get, you know, offering this wonderful thing for us. I'm not talking about that. Someone you've absolutely never met before, and they have your best interest at heart. Have you ever done that? <laughs> Politicians, and, and do they have our best interest at heart? That, that, I guess that's the question, right? <laughs> you know, we don't want those mass-produced ones. Well, imagine that our church receives a letter from another pastor in another city or another country. Maybe they're in prison. But they're thanking God for the faith that we have right here in our church. The faith that we had when we first started out as Christians. And that they're telling us to hold fast to that faith and focus our eyes and our hearts on Jesus the only connection to God. Now this is exactly what Paul did. His letter to the Colossians was in response to some heresy that was happening, and I'll tell you about that in a little bit. And um, Paul did not want the people of Colossae to lose sight of the truth of Jesus' sacrifice. You know, he died on the cross for our salvation. He wanted them to know that there is no secret key, no secret society that will get you to grace and salvation. So we're going to learn more about this in just a few minutes. Um, we can stay seated for the next song. It's majesty. Worship his majesty.
already know when I get nervous, I talk a little fast. So you slow down, take a deep breath, okay? <laughs> so I apologize. <laughs> we'll get, yes, we'll get out really early if I do the speed version. <laughs> you know, Evelyn Wood did the speed reading. I don't know, Beth Walker does speed speaking. I, I have no idea. But I know that my oldest daughter, Amanda, can talk so fast. You don't even understand half of what she says when she says it. So today's message, I entitled it, No Secret Code Required. In the New Testament, there are many letters that Paul has written to churches in various locations. Some of the letters are from Paul alone, and others are written with fellow disciples. Paul pens letters in Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, as well as Colossians. His letters always begin stating that he is an apostle of Christ, chosen by God, not by any groups of persons or his own self-declared promise, and his loyalty is always to Christ Jesus. Paul, along with Timothy, is writing this letter to the people of Colossae, and he's writing from prison in Rome. You see, he's compelled to write the letter to combat false teachings that had infiltrated the Colossian church. The problem was syncretism, which combined ideas from other philosophies and religions like paganism, strains of Judaism, and Greek thought with Christian truth. This heresy was later known as Gnosticism, which emphasized special knowledge, gnosis in Greek, and denying Christ as God and Savior. Paul had not founded this church in Colossae. Epaphras, a disciple of Paul from Ephesus, had founded this church. It was a small church, probably um, relatively insignificant by most standards, much like churches in our own denomination, right? So even though he'd never seen the Colossians, he was concerned for these faithful followers. He wanted them not to be confused and misled by these people trying to diminish the supremacy of Christ. He wanted them to know that there is no secret connection to forgiveness or eternal life. Paul's letter to the Colossians begins this way. This letter is from Paul, by the will of God, to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May our God our Father give you grace and peace. You see, he greets them, gives them a note of thanksgiving, and offers a prayer. We always pray for you. And we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard 
and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. In verses 3 through 8, Paul points out their faith, love, hope, and how they are bearing fruit and how they understood God's grace. He recognizes the Colossians' true understanding of the gospel when they first believed. They were bearing the fruits of love and faith. In verses 9 through 14, Paul mentions a second time that he and Timothy pray for the church in Colossae. In fact, he lets them know that they pray unceasingly for them to grow in Christ and to live lives worthy of God. A life worthy of God is one that bears fruit, grows in the knowledge of God, is strengthened by God, endures, is patient, and gives thanks. Paul and Timothy were mature Christians, setting an example for these newer, less mature Christians. In our own faith journey, we are nurtured by those who are more mature in their faith journey. Now, please don't mistake maturity for age, because you know what? There are younger people who are more mature in their faith than some of us older people and some of us moving just learning more about our faith. As we are nurtured, we too can live lives worthy of God. We can bear fruit, grow in the knowledge of God, be strengthened by God, endure, be patient, and give thanks. Personally, I'm moving toward maturity in my Christian faith. I have lots of room to grow in this area. Anybody else have some room to grow in this area? <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying really hard to stay the course to be patient and give thanks rather than be impatient and unthankful. No matter the struggle, God is always with me. And I need to accept that Jesus is the sustainer of all life and that I am worthy because I was created by Almighty God. Paul reminds the Colossians that Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the visible image of the invisible God. He is eternal and equal with the Father. He is supreme and complete. He is the head of the church, and we must remain loyal to him. Through Christ, we are reconciled to God. We can stand firm in our faith, 
rooted in the hope of the gospel and Christ's supremacy. Hear these words from Colossians. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. I want to tell you the reason I picked this letter from Colossians is because uh, my small group, we've been studying Colossians. Uh, we watched video from Right Now Media with Louis Giglio, and we've learned a lot, a lot about Colossians, a lot about the time, and a lot about ourselves. Now, in this Right Now Media study, Louis Giglio affirms Paul's teaching is applicable to us now. Because we know Jesus is fully God. He could bring reconciliation between God and us through his sacrifice on the cross. He became the perfect sacrifice needed to reunite us with God. Now, being alienated from God leads to destruction, chaos, and ultimately death. But in Christ, we have been reconciled to God and are presented as holy before him. Paul says, faith, perseverance, and hope mark a believer who understands who Jesus is. Does this not all point to us as much as the people of Colossae? What Paul does say is the proper response to verse 23. He says to continue in faith, stand firm, and not move from the hope found in the gospel. Since Jesus brought us from death to life, and triumphed over every authority, we can now live rooted in Christ, unswayed by a false gospel, and abundant in faith. There are four phrases that Louis Giglio used to walk through the text of Colossians 2, 6-15. through 15. He used follow-up, foundation, fullness, and finished work. Follow-up comes from Colossians 2, 6 through 7. 
And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Paul urges the Colossians to live your lives in Jesus. He uses that phrase often in his books to mean that Christians should continue to walk in their faith. Louis described it as follow-up. We continue to keep in step with Jesus after choosing to follow him, all by his grace through faith. The next word was foundation. Colossians 2.8 says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. The false belief, it was said, it said there was a secret insider way to get more access to God. Paul wrote to remind the Colossians of their foundation found only in Jesus and his gospel and not in any secret society. We need to filter everything we hear and read outside of scripture through Jesus. We should ask, does this idea have foundation in Jesus and his word? Fullness. Colossians 2, 10 through 11 says, So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Through Jesus, fully God and fully man, we find salvation from sin and death. We are fully complete in Jesus. We lack nothing. The salvation he brings to us doesn't need anything else. In him we experience the full and complete salvation of God. These verses show how God is the one who secured our salvation through his actions alone. We can't add to it. Paul uses circumcision to explain his point. Circumcision was an external sign of the covenant Israel had with God. But the circumcision Paul talks about in verse 11, it's not physical, but a spiritual circumcision. Our flesh, which used to rule us, has been taken off by Jesus. When we decide to follow Jesus, our old selves die with him and we're raised to new life. Paul is clear that it's the power of God that both raised Jesus from the dead and brought us back to life again. The fourth one, finished work. Colossians 2, 12-13 says, For <clears throat> you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. Not only does Jesus bring us new life, but he also brings the forgiveness of sins. Without Jesus, Paul says we were indebted to God because of our sin. Through Jesus' death, we have all been given new life. We are no longer ruled by the flesh, and we're free from guilt before God. Our salvation is a finished work. Jesus did everything necessary to save us. Salvation is an incredible gift. 
We've received Christ, and in him we can continue to follow him every day of our lives. He is our firm foundation. When we root ourselves in him and his gospel message, we are able to discern when people and spiritual authorities try to deceive us. Jesus has overthrown these powers. He triumphed over them through the cross. We've received the fullness of salvation through his finished work. We are alive in him. Nothing can undo the work Jesus has done to save us. And since we're alive in Christ, we can take off the old self and put on the new self, which affects our mindset, our actions toward each other, and how we engage in corporate worship. There's so much more from Colossians that I would love to share with you, but it's hot, and I wouldn't want to overwhelm you because, you know, it's more than just two chapters. I've done some picking and choosing. This study that my life group and I have been utilizing has been, it's an eight-week study, and we're into week seven this week. I think I can speak for the people of my group that this has been an amazing study and that we've learned so much from it. I just want to take a few minutes just to talk to you personally what this has meant to me. So it's not scripted, because look, it's the end. The study in Colossians has made me think a lot about myself and a lot about how we react in church sometimes. And Pastor Rod alluded to the fact about worship, it's not so much the music that we use or the liturgy that we use, but it's our hearts, right? And if we, come to, if we come to church with a bad heart, what are we passing off to other people? That's not his words, those are mine. The thing with a bad heart is sometimes I know in the past I've come in with a grumpy heart and said, I don't even want to be here today, but God touched me anyway. Those are probably the times that I got touched the most because I really needed it the most. But it's been really important over these years to grow in my faith journey and to be closer to God and to really think about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. I heard one person say one time, that church focuses too much on Jesus Christ. And I'm like, this is why we're here. This is it. Our salvation, a finished work. Jesus did it all, right? And if we don't talk about it, how will other people know? And we want to we find a way to grow here, correct? I mean, look, we've been through a lot of change. We want to grow. I know we do. In our hearts, we want to grow. And we're like, just give us the right formula. We'll plug into it, and we'll do it. Maybe the right formula is in our heart. And if we can become not just worship goers, but worship doers, it makes a difference in who we are and how we present ourselves to other people. It is because of Christ Jesus that I am able to stand here today and to talk to you and to let you know how God and Christ have blessed my life. And how much you all have blessed my life, learning and growing with you. You know, when we were in quarantine and we couldn't meet as a small group, we couldn't come to church, we were just stuck, stuck at home. And I was so grateful for the live stream from the main church, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same as coming together 
and feeling that bond together and, and sharing together and learning together because that's what we do. It's corporate. Yes, we can we can praise God when we're on the golf course and we can praise God in the woods or at out fishing, but sometimes it's just really good to come together and let each other know how much we care about each other and how much God is doing in our lives. And when we feel more content and more happy in what's happening in our own life, then we want to share it with other people. And we want to say, come, we have this really great thing going on. I want, I want you to experience it with me. So just remember, Christ is in your heart. We can't lose sight of that. There's no secret. You can read the Bible. You should read the Bible, right? You need to learn. But it doesn't mean you're going to get into heaven faster because you read more of the Bible than I did. <laughs> or that I'm going to get in heaven because I prayed more than you did, right? <laughs> it's all about our relationship with Christ. Christ did it all. But we do back because we are pleased with Christ in our lives. And we want to share that. And we want others to be pleased. So this week, think about ways that you are pleased in your relationship with Christ and how it affects you. Hear these words from Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Will you pray with me? God, help us to remember that our salvation comes only through Christ Jesus. We do not need a secret code to obtain our salvation. Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins. We only need believe he is the head of the church, and we must remain loyal to him. Through Christ, we are reconciled to God. We can stand firm in our faith, rooted in the hope of the gospel and Christ's supremacy. In our times of trouble and struggles in this faith journey, keep us firm in our faith and rooted in hope. Keep us on course with our hearts and eyes focused on Jesus. Amen. So now we have some announcements, and you can see the first one is a mask update. Next week, we will begin a new policy of mask optional. Seating in the balcony will remain every other pew for those who wish to become more socially distanced. Staff and volunteers are asked to continue to wear their masks until the end of June for the comfort of others. Please be respectful of others, others' comfort levels and health conditions vary. So we just need to keep that in mind. But So it's not mandatory and <laughs> starting next week. Also, Sue Campbell is retiring as of July 1st. We're thankful for her years of service and wish her the best as she starts this new phase of life. Is that it, Mom? That's all of our announcements this morning. So our closing song is Guide Me Thou, O Great Jehovah. Please stand if you are comfortable.
go now in the grace of God, remembering that it's your journey to travel with Jesus and to travel with others. Be blessed. Amen.